0: All right, sit back, relax. It's time for another Laneway Talks.
1: Today we've got Stephen Walls from Ward 13 on Laneway Talks and we're going to do a little bit of analysis on his life because we actually don't know what he did prior to Ward 13. Uh, So how are you, Stephen?
0: Oh, pretty good. It's pretty good, mate.
1: As we always start on Laneway Talks, we... We go back to where did it all start? So tell me with your musical career, let's go back to your school days, were you into music? Back then.
0: Well, I guess I wrote again, you heard the first Beatles record and your young kid and stuff like that. But I wasn't playing. It all kind of happened when my grandmother bought me a drum kit. So and, well, uh, well,
1: tell me. Now, Now, tell me, what kind of age are we talking here?
0: We're talking, um, she would have bought me a drum kit when I was about 14.
1: Right. So, you're actually a bit of a late bloomer, as you know, uh, that you're in that starting to get towards that teenage year. And so, that's yeah. when you started. And why the drums? Uh, what... You know, what was it about the drums that led you to, you know, learn the drums?
0: That's an interesting topic because, um, you know, I was playing football then. I was playing representative soccer at that stage. That was my big love. Mm. and uh, I got into music. I mean, I just like, I think I, it was the sound of them that really got me interested when I heard um, Wipeout and the Atlantics doing Bombor and, and the Safaris doing Wipeout. And I thought, hey, man, listen to that drum. And the way I went from there, I think. I think that was a big inspiration. Well, you know,
1: look, being a drummer myself, it, for me, it was yeah. we, we all had to go to music school. You know, my brothers, they must have picked the guitar, so I thought, well, that's it. I'll just take the drums up, you know, second choice. Yeah. But, you know, I never looked back and loved it ever since. And that, that's how I did. Otherwise, I probably would have played the guitar. So so tell me, so you, you get your drum kit, you're at school, what do you do? Do you form a band at school or do you just
0: no, practice? You start, you start practicing learning how to play the drums to your mother's father's dismay in their kitchen when they go out on Friday nights playing to the radio and trying to figure out what head does what and trying to learn your first song which was my first song I learned on the drums, which is on two toms, actually. It was uh, Wipeout by the Safaris.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's going back a bit too yeah. far for me, Steve. I'm not sure who the yeah, Safaris were. Uh, <laughs> that,
0: that, well, how about the Atlantics? <laughs>
1: oh, the With Atlantics. The oh, well, I do because I, I, think, I think Chris Stockley talked about the Atlantics.
0: Yeah, they, they did Bombora. they did some great drum stuff, and uh, great guitar and drum stuff. It was instrumental. Yeah, gotcha. So the first things I learnt were instrumental. I like think the first rock song I ever learnt on the drums was Sergeant Peppers, and I had to figure out how ring was getting that boom, boom, chick, boom, boom, you know, kept going. And I, then I mastered that, and I thought, oh, Jesus Christ! This is fantastic. Are we talking mid sixties to... here? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, it was nineteen sixty-five, I think, because my mother, grandmother, won the jackpot lottery, and uh, which was twelve thousand pounds, which is a lot of money. So... Oh
1: my God, that would have been a fortune back then. Buy yeah, a it house? Was great.
0: Well, mate, you could buy a house in Seven Hills for three thousand pounds. <laughs> anyway, she bought me a drum kit.
1: So... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Must have been a deluxe gold-plated drum kit. <laughs>
0: Oh mate, we went from rags to riches.
1: So, you know, yeah.
0: I mean also. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> so so what so, so you're at school, so you're, you're practicing and whatever. Yeah. How do you you know, where do you go to from there? You do you go, I, I need to be in a band or were you just happy playing the drums well, at that stage? To learn. I
0: went to drum lessons and mm. uh, tried to learn how to read drum music and become very impatient with that of course. Mm. And uh, got 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 my chops together then I joined a band. Yeah, you know, I joined uh, two other guys, uh, all these guys and we just did instrumentals, nobody sang. Mm. It was all instrumentals, and there was lots of instrumentals to play. There was like, there was Bombay, the Sparks, the Atlantic, and there was a lot of instrumental bands that just played instrumentals. Yeah, yeah so We did that for a while We used to practice a little hard towel all week you buy a new symbol, it sounded great You know, you, you get excited st- Are you, are you
1: still at school at this day? Yeah,
0: yeah, I was still yeah. at school Yeah,
1: so what, now, you so, did you go to year 12 and then to uni Or did you say, decide to take on a different
0: path? Uh, uni, mate, I, um, yeah, I've had a big career in music and hairdressing, mate I've. Yeah. Um, so you went on to hairdressing, had, yeah? Well, I got an apprenticeship when I was 16 Oh, wow in Double bait with one of the best hairdressing salons in Australia, and uh, I kind of kicked on from there. And it's always been music and hairdressing. I've had fourteen hairdressing salons. I've run some pretty big shows, yeah. And there's always been music as well. Can so I, can ha- I, hairy music.
1: can I crack a joke? There is that because is that why all your hair was perfect for the whole band in Ward Thirteen? Was it? Did you do the hairstyling?
0: Hey. Not only would 13, you know, nearly call me a celebrity hairdresser because I ran a Seabull Townhouse hairdressing salon.
1: Oh, right.
0: Yeah. I did everybody's hair. I had a big clientele Stevie Nicks, Chris yeah. hairdresser. Yeah. Uh, George Michaels. I looked after Does all those. Does that guys. mean you walked
1: around with a blow dryer in your belt?
0: No, no it wasn't as <laughs> bad as that. But they they did all. I end up doing a lot of work on clips with them. Yeah, and I was actually in Ward 13 then. I mm. when, we, when I got went through my apprenticeship, I was out of there. We, um, we. Uh, well, had you I formed
1: just, a band from that? What were you doing at school? To you know, doing your yeah. apprenticeship and to Ward 13. Was there a band in between there that you took seriously? And you know, we're going right. This is the. Money. There
0: was. It was a band. It was a band called Bitter Weed.
1: Yeah, <laughs> bitter, bitter Reed, bitter Reed.
0: Bit of weed. Bit
1: of weed. weed. Bit of weed. Yeah. Okay.
0: And we were just a little band and we were doing covers like Cream and uh, Zeppelin and all those bands. Yeah. And uh, I remember uh, Chris Turner came over from England and he came for an audition in the band I've known Chris for like 40 50 years yeah yeah yeah, absolutely uh, he ended up uh, he got the audition and we uh, we did covers and stuff like that but we got a really big gig at Maryland Town Hall Dance and now we thought that was a big deal I remember turning up there and there was like 2,000 kids there because Billy Thorpe was the main act and he hadn't—he just was coming back from America, right?
1: Yeah, now, hold on, hold on. What, what are we talking here? Because that would have been mid-70s, wouldn't it?
0: Uh, when he came back, yeah, I jumped, I jumped. That yeah. band I was just talking about, yeah. the bit of wee band, we just toured around Sydney.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, because he went to America after about 73, maybe, would it, or even later, 74? No, because he was doing Sunbury in those days.
0: Well, we go from 65. Yeah. And then I was in that band, and we were with uh, an agency called Del Mile Enterprises. Mm. Remember Dalmyle at all? He was in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. He was a big agent at that time before Harbour and all those agencies. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um... So so, uh, let's
1: get into bittersweet. So so bittersweet, or sorry, bit of weed. Bit of weed. Bit of weed. That's what happens prior to Ward 13, and you're doing covers primarily? Yeah. Okay. So from there you decide what? I've got to... uh, Well,
0: I've got hairdressing. I've opened a hairdressing salon too. Yeah. In Sydney in King's Cross. Yeah. And uh, I've decided I'm still doing part-time work. In other bands too, I played in a little restaurant band, two or three piece, and that. Mm. Well, you know, you got fed that night, and you played rock and roll. And everyone got pissed, and you played it louder later. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, as <laughs> you know, mate. Um, well, no, I
1: don't know. Yeah, I never so... played, never played like that. But, it, but you're telling me where well, it's your story, not mine. So, um, it
0: was a bit of a. Well, it was always playing music and jamming, but yeah. always working it or owning one or two hairdressing salons at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, was really was, was the
1: dilemma for you, Steve? Was the dilemma, you know, am I going to Pursue hairdressing, and you know, have a string of hairdressing salons, or were yep. you going to pursue music? Because obviously, you've you've loved music your whole life, so it would have been a big decision how you're going to
0: balance. Well, I tell you, when the crossover happened, and we can. There's a lot of other little things in between, but it gets it yeah. it's, uh, it's just incidental. So I was played that cover band, but where the crossover really happening, you know, I had two interesting salons in Parramatta, Hollywood and Friends, and um, I ran into Giraffes. Uh, Irish John, as you know. Yes, and uh, and then I ran into Lee Johnson, who was the founding member of uh, Rose Tattoo. Oh, okay. And they were they were putting a band together, and uh, I went I went over there for an audition. Yeah, right? yeah. And I got really hooked on it because Lee was writing original songs. And I thought, shit, I really, I really want to write original songs. And mm. they said, well, look, I'll show you how to write songs. So i started start playing guitar then as well.
1: Wow, yeah.
0: And Lee was showing me how to play guitar. And we just started writing songs together. Anyway, everyone got serious about the band. And Ron Roberts joined in. It was a good little band. And we rehearsed at um, Irish John's place at um, in Leica. Now, how, and how, old, got- how
1: old were you guys? Around 20? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, how old was I? 21? About 20, 24. 24? 20, yeah, okay. So well-seasoned,
0: well, se- and, well uh, seasoned, quite frankly, as musicians, oh, quite seasoned. Well, mate, we, we're doing all right. We, and Lee was writing a lot of songs, and I was co-writing with him because he, he taught me how to do chords and the way I went,
1: mm.
0: as, as you do. And um, the funny thing about it, I had the hairdressing stuff, so I had to make a decision. Mm. I thought, you know, I'm only about 25. Why don't I just... And they wanted to go professional, and we had a... An, We'd have an, uh, uh, an audition with um, Harbour Agencies. Yeah. They said they'd take us on so that we could work four nights a week.
1: Who would have that been, Sam Riggie?
0: Yes, Sam. <laughs> oh, that's the name, <laughs> isn't
1: it?
0: Eh? <laughs> Sam Riggie and Robbie Williams. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. Keep going. So. And Chris Plummer at nucleus Anyway, we got off of the gig. Like we can get to work four or five last week but I had a hairdresser selling, so you know what I thought I'll do this for a few years I'm going to go professional and flick the hairdressing and bugger it yeah you yeah? know and so I did and then, uh, I turned professional in 79 mm. and, the and, band that's, and that's for, Ward
1: 13 that's essentially yeah, Ward yeah. 13 yeah
0: yeah that's right and uh we went from 79 to about
1: 82. So t- yes. tell me, you know, the first single, is it that computer song? What's it called?
0: Yeah, it was uh, Robot Wizards.
1: Robot Wizards. Now, for ev- anybody that hasn't seen it, go go and view it on YouTube because it's a, it's a top-class video. It is good. How did yes. you come about to make that? I mean, that would just cost a fortune these days to make something like that.
0: Well, it started going out with this uh, gorgeous lady. I can't remember her Luckily, words. You only get referred to this. There's this woman, she wanted to. What was her name? Right, well, I've lost it from. There. Anyway, okay. there's this person that wanted to make a video to show other people her work. And uh, we, we met her in a bar one night, and she said, Well, what are you guys doing? And I said, Well, we're just about to go to the music farm with Ian Davies from Double J. They've uh, offered us a deal that they'll take us up to the music farm and record our first um, EP, mm. which was We've Got Wizard and a few other songs on it. It was a five track EP. Yeah, and she said, Oh, well, I want to do a video. Um, and she said, I'll, I'll build a set and you give me these the songs. So she, she put it all together wow. and it did cost her a fair bit but she was going to use it as a, a part of her portfolio. Hmm. Did she ever become into, a famous
1: yeah. producer, director, or whatever?
0: Uh, no, she got cancer. Uh, oh, at the same that's ter- time yeah,
1: terrible to hear.
0: Yeah, she got really sick, and because um, it is a top-class
1: uh, video, it is just
0: it's a z- beauty for the time. Yeah. It was really up there in the eighties, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, ab-
1: absolutely. So, does that get a bit of traction? Robot Wizards?
0: Geez, mate, what, now. No, again, I we, mean, back
1: it, then, when you released it, did it get a bit of traction? Think, you know?
0: Mate, we were, it was the, the biggest selling EP in the Northern Beaches for quite a long time yeah. with the Oils and all those bands, It yeah. right up there. Well, War 13, actually, uh, that got a bit of traction, but off Flashes a Rat album, which came next with yeah. Sea Venice and Diet. Yeah. That went top. That went top twenty in Sydney, and could have cracked it. Two SM picked it up, and they thrashed it. And um, through mm. those
1: couple of bands, the, the well, band, with well, ever the all the, so you're to the second album. So you know we've rushed through the first, but you got the first album that's out. You're rushing into the second. But have you guys? Were you guys ever thinking about going overseas? Uh, and you know, you really, interestingly enough, from my perspective, I think. You, it, you were right in between. You could have been a type of Moon Martin from America. Uh, I don't know yep. if you ever remember Moon Martin, but Moon Martin had a couple mm-hmm. of hits and he was in that kind of flavour. Or you could have actually been in the UK because of the Nouveau, you know, type of style that you had, that, that love nouveau, nouveau style. And you could have actually hit that too. So it would have been a big decision. But did you think about going overseas? Well,
0: we got off and see um – Kind of goes into the set the album of Fascist with a gold tooth hmm. We did that. See, that was a development too. After the EP that Double J did for us, yeah, right? With Ian yeah. uh, Davies was the engineer. I don't know if you remember him.
1: Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, I do.
0: And um, he was great, and he took us up there. He really believed in the band. We couldn't get a deal at that stage. We had the EP, but mm. it was like that with the, the band. So, um, well, let, let's for the God, or,
1: for the audience. Let's say if you've got the first EP, getting, uh, are you pulling a crowd? You know? Oh
0: you, yeah, yeah, definitely. a Big crowd in a city. Right, And okay. uh, Sam, Sam Riggio, agent for Harbour, was we, – we were working every night of the week, mate, five yeah. nights a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you were doing – do
1: why do you think you couldn't get a deal if you're pulling an audience? This is really good for young people today well, too because, yep, you know, you'd think it, it'd go hand in hand.
0: Well, record company came out to see you. Need the A&R guy like you and didn't, you know what it it's like. Yeah, it's that's true.
1: It. It's true, you
0: start to pull a crowd, and then everybody turns up. The publishing company turns up, the record company turns up, yeah. And um, there was a lot of money around then, and people were signing everything, yeah. Uh, we couldn't get a deal of time. I I got the bright idea, I think. I think I'll form a record company, an independent record company, and that's the second,
1: and that's the second record,
0: yeah, yeah. But how that developed, um, I just put. Survival Records together, yeah. And at the same time, a guy called Rob Walker from EMI came down to yeah. see us one night with yeah. a guy called Rags Randall from EMI. Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, we really like this." Thing. I said, "Well, it's my record company now, and I've signed Ben, and i the drummer as well." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, "Well, he Well, 'Well, we'll put up the money to do an album.' So we did a kind of a, a deal with EMI through Survival Records for the first album, which was a full full album which was Flashes of that with a Gold check.
1: Yeah, gotcha. And that, I mean, that cover art too was fantastic. I mean, how did that come about?
0: Well, that we were at the Man's Room, the, the illustrious Man's Room, and um, there was a guy called Wooley, which was an artist, and he had just finished this huge painting on the wall of his idea of what the man's room was like. Mm. And if you look at the painting, that's a bit what it was like, you know. Oh, okay. Well, because <laughs> it, is
1: a because it it is a uh, it's a very unique cover, Oh, it is. you know. And back then, it doesn't it doesn't apply now. Back then, cover art was so important to ramify who the band was. It really was, you
0: know. Oh, absolutely! I got cover of the year. what you did that? Was uh, Duke? Yeah. Someone like that. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. It got it one cover of the year, and I forget what year it was.
1: Now I believe. But, um, now I believe, though, that did the band sack you as a drummer?
0: No, no, I sacked myself. Ah, I okay. Myself. Right, okay. It's an interesting career over three years. See, at the record company, yeah, I was writing songs for Lee, and I wanted to give the band a full scope. Now, at that stage. Um, with Flash as a Rat. I mm. think we rose musically to a better musicianship. Yeah. So I still, still like First two because it was rough and raw. Mm. But And what happened there that I decided we wanted to go in a more musical direction. So we didn't have a manager then. We had Sam as our agent. Mm. Uh, Bob Yates from MySex wanted the managers right? Yeah. And she had my sex and Which I probably fitted to... quite
1: well with my sex too I would suspect.
0: Well it was but um, the fact of it is we end up going and getting Bob to manage us for a while. Yeah. But um, he kind of let it go after a while and that was a long that's a long story anyway but I decided to sack myself and manage the band. Yeah. So I did did auditions for a new drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, we end up uh, auditioning. And I wanted a sax player and a keyboard player, so we auditioned, and we got at the end of auditions we got Timmy Powell. Yeah, now, Timmy Powell went on from? to play yeah. the Venetians
1: oh, in church. Yes. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, we know the great Venetians. Great. I didn't know. So he was the church drummer, was he? Yeah,
0: yeah, and oh. he went on to that afterwards after being broken up. And also Andrew Ross, what a great sax player and keyboard player. He he went on to afterwards went into play with Mondo Rock.
1: Oh, okay. All right. And, no, so there's some uh, real names so, there. And look, I mean, with most well, bands of that era, it always spied it out to other bands because, it, as you said, it was such a vibrant industry. You're working five days a week. And if the band is to fold, it's pretty easy to slot into another band because there's so much work going on. I mean, of course, oh, it's, yeah, not a, it's not as easy these days. So, And that happens so often that, you know, you go, so where did the members go? And you just start rattling off all the names of the bands of the time, you know. Oh,
0: absolutely, Um, absolutely. And there's some real names
1: there, I mean, no doubt about it. The band basically keeps you do the second album. Is there a third al- – out? was there a third album recording or did it
0: just – Yes, p- was, and uh, this is where I brought the new members in to do this because I wanted to be a bit more musical. Mm. And, like, you know, I-, I was a pretty good drummer, but I thought if I could manage the band, I'll get a better drummer than me mm. and I'll really be able to oversee this whole project because I thought Ward 13 had a real shot. Yeah. Because with Flash as a Rat, Rupert Perry came over here from Capitol Records. Yeah. And we missed a great opportunity. And he wanted to release the album in America.
1: Who, who made? Who made? You know this. What's the single Ruben in Perry. front of that? Yeah, but what's the the video in front of the house that you're doing? That you did. What? Yeah. What was the second video or the third video? Do you remember we that? Did,
0: uh, we did. We uh, oh. did. one in a, uh, a warehouse upstairs. Yeah. So guy, and we did... Uh, oh, we you did, keep
1: uh, tell me. So he came up from Capitol Records. I'm going to look this up while you're telling us yeah, the yeah. story.
0: Yeah, Reuben Perry. And uh, he wanted to release the album in, in America. Now, my silly partner, Alex Geshos but I hope he's not listening to me, He's a great guy. He wanted... He said, well, well, let's get an advance off him. I said, let's just let him have the record. Even if it's unsuccessful, we'll 400,000. Yeah. I said, no, no, we need the advance. By that time, he'd had enough of us trying to negotiate a deal, and he said, "I'm going back to America." So we missed a great opportunity to have the album released in America. Not that I thought the Fashions Rap was a bad album; it had some great moments. Yeah. and it had a couple of really good singles on it. You know? but,
1: you, but you know, it, I mean, I, I think you downplay yourself, Steve, because all records oh. have got their own themes and their own, and these the quality band, quality recordings, and yeah. some of the songs written there. Because you know, you pull one out of every ten is a hit type thing, and so. I think you had as much chance as anybody to go overseas. I mean, and the song I was talking about was Drift Away. Now, there's another kind of big video.
0: Oh, mate, that was great. And, you know, that was with the new band I put together. See, hear that sax player? That was Andrew Ross. The drummer was Timmy Powell. We arranged it. It was it was really quite musical. It was a bit like, it was a bit Roxy Music in some way.
1: Uh, it uh, had that
0: uh, type of vibe. Yeah,
1: I'd say uh, Roxy Music or there was a few other bands of that era there, um, um, and they the names escaped me. It was that love new nouveau age type thing, and you fit yeah, it in really yeah. well. And now you you could have made it overseas like any other band. I mean, it's it's just luck of the luck of the draw well, on the happened, day.
0: What happened with that one? Vince, is a sad story. At that stage, we got a new deal with Polygram, right? Yeah. And uh, we, rec- we had recorded that album in uh, down in Paradise Studios town, right? And uh, what happened? New- no, hold on. Got Before we go habit.
1: any further, who owns Paradise what? Studios?
0: Bad Habits. What was his name?
1: That's the man. Bad Habits. <laughs> He's escaped yeah. me too. But um, me too. Well, you know right Mr. Bad Habits, yeah, owns it,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah he owns it. Anyway, we did... The album down there, and in that day, there was something going on with radio. They weren't, they weren't um, releasing new singles that record companies were giving them, and mm. also the and they changed A and R guys, which no, you know it's that's, right. that's a it. That's that's the death. They didn't like the album. Yeah.
1: So tell me, <laughs> have we have we got this album? Because we don't have it. Because we've only got too much. All. Well, we've, too much talk. Uh, yeah, too much talk. Oh, we do have that out, do we? Yeah,
0: yeah, sure.
1: I right, I'm going to just... I'm looking that up, everybody, now as we speak. Too much war th- talk. Uh, Ward 13. There's that great cover from the second record. Yeah, um, yeah. we do have war, uh, too much talk, yeah. Absolutely. That's so, a
0: good That's, so, good That's got great tracks.
1: So that was Polygram then, yeah? Yep. Right, so what happens, a, a new a and R. I I hear this story all the time, new a, a new yeah, A&R guy, and that's it, you're you're dropped, you're gone. Right. Well, what he did, he said, there's your master. let's go and get another,
0: we'll just take a percent rider, will you? <laughs> oh, you <laughs> you got,
1: know, go it goes you, And you've you got, you got to love it, you put in all that hard work and... <laughs> It's it's the insulting part again. But although we've just been working up towards this for twelve months of hard work, and there's a whole band involved, and absolutely. oh yeah, well yeah, no, there's a new sound at the moment, so you know we don't we don't want to pursue it. it that's exactly.
0: You're telling that's the story. It's absolutely. You, nice,
1: know, you know. So so that's it for Ward Thirteen at Talk Too Much. You go right. That's it, or you play on for another year or so. Uh,
0: I on a little bit because um, it was funny at that time. Um, we had I had a couple of other things happening. Um, was actually reopening Checkers nightclub with um, oh, yeah. my other partner in, in Survival Records and, and a licensee Ken Ken what's his name Ken Samuels who owned the pub down the street to a We decided to reopen Checkers. Oh yeah, check,
1: yeah, Checkers. Yeah, okay.
0: And oh, uh, it was great! It was great, and we uh, got the lease off the Wongs, but that's a whole other story, mate. We won't go there. Anyway, I'm sure, there, we don't want to go there. <laughs> go on. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 had a very successful club for over a year there, and um, the band got to play there as well because the opening night of Checkers uh, was the Angels, Flowers, and more 13. Oh
1: wow! That and itself? that 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 oh, is a big gig at that time, yeah,
0: mate. You, you should have been there.
1: <laughs> mm. You know, I oh, look I oh, look I joined I joined Mushroom in 1984. So we'd be talking right. 87, 88 when you did that? No, no,
0: no, this was 1980. 1980? No, oh, that. oh, that's before am yeah, I'm, I'm it still it
1: at school cool. at that stage.
0: It was in the middle of the band, you know, touring and playing gigs and uh, the record companies and we had the old out and bands were playing all over. us. We were going down to Melbourne, going to, you know, all the countries with different bands. So we had the great opportunity through Sam Riggie. Mm. We toured with some of the best bands in the world. We played with Police, two Big Town Rats, yeah. Ramones. I mean, it was just fantastic.
1: I mean, it, um, and, and when you name those kind of bands, uh, it is fantastic. Yeah. It'd be a real buzz at the time and, you know, you'd just be living and breathing it when you're doing that kind of stuff,
0: right? Mate, we're all hopeful that we're going to have the big single that's going to do the break and you see I remember when we were recording Flashes around, it was in 301 mm. and uh, I went next door and um, church were doing dum, 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 dum. I said, I walked in I said, isn't that that Beatles song? Said, you think I'm going to be sad? And I said, Nick, off this our new single <laughs> 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 which is, I'm uh, un- Moment, right? Oh, yeah, but yeah, they yeah. yeah. Floor right next door, doing when they were doing it there. And uh, I'm surprised nobody picked up on that. Uh, was it um,
1: was Continental Robert and Dynamic Hypnotics all around this time, too? Yes,
0: it was, and wasn't that a big band?
1: Oh, absolutely, once I, again, I loved it. Um, once again, very, very Sydney
0: and so yeah.
1: professional um, and the music was just sensational.
0: Um, oh, they were great, mate. I'd, I'd see about the bands room any I could. One of the best bands, uh, yeah, really enjoyed them a great deal, you know. So, but,
1: so from too much yeah. talk, what do you decide to do?
0: Well... We end up, we all looked at each other, and um, because the record company had dropped us with the element, we never got a chance to get drift away out there. Of mm. course, we thought it might be it, you know? Mm. And uh, we're all a bit disappointed. And Ronnie Roberts, a guitar player, is a great, play, uh, great guy, a great guitar player. He's also an art director, too. It's very, very talented. He decided to go out for big money and um, shooting big commercials and uh, stuff like that. So he kind of drifted away. And we decided to call it a day, really. Um, I think everyone just ran out of steam like we do, mate.
1: So did you Did you then go, right, I'm setting up some hairdressing salons?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. look, I got um, you after that. I uh I started I was writing songs still and uh, I opened another hairdressing song and went back to work but we did our farewell concert at Paddington Green Hotel which was again a double J triple J by the which I
1: think. I think we've got up haven't we as a video yeah no uh, that
0: was, um, oh, that, was birthday, on, that was the birthday that was the
1: birthday show was it
0: that, yeah that was at Well but our farewell to the world. Uh, gig was set for pankin Town Hall and Triple J I think it, I think it was Double G, yeah, du- J
1: Double J or whatever
0: yeah I can't remember anyway look They came up and recorded it that night. It was a real big night. It was
1: the uh, Farewell to the World um, gig, and that was it for us, you know, really. But, you know, Um, you're so lucky, though, that you said, yeah, you know, I I went back and I started a hairdressing salon, or you had it already, or you're already in the throes of doing it all. You know, how many guys do we know, Steve, in this business, where they get to that stage, so Ward 13, and if they live and breathe that band and they don't drift on to, say, a Mondo Rock or someone else, right, uh, right, what do they do? they wake up one day and they're 40 and they go, well, what the hell am I doing? What have I got to show for all of this? Very little. Yes,
0: yeah, I've got a lot of mates like that. I'm sure you have too, mate. You know. Still good friends.
1: And that's why it's really good to hear that, you you know, you had no issue whatsoever. Yeah, you knew what you were doing and where you were going and because you, you do have to live. And this business is so, so uh, cruel at times that...
0: I'm very. Look, uh, I made a few bad choices in that way too. I, I, we, we all tried really hard, but, um, you know, interesting salons and stuff for me has been a big part of my life too. And, you know, uh, I've got a celebrity clientele. I've been very lucky in that way, I think, mm. you know. Did you were you uh, were
1: you married at the end of that ward thirteen with kids or not yet?
0: Uh, no, I met I met Michelle who I stayed with for twenty five years. She was a very talented songwriter herself. Yeah um in the early 90s at that stage too uh, I was I had some hedges and sales but I was still managing people yeah and uh negotiating record deals and publishing contracts on behalf of people yes I did Bobby James's um publishing deal i did uh
1: who's Bobby? yeah you know, J- nice
0: Bobby football. James Robbie James is in ganger he's a guitar oh. player for ganga
1: well, I know, I know Robby, Mark well, Mark uh, from...
0: Robbie James, James he's the guitar player, has yeah. been there forever.
1: Yeah, I didn't know yeah. the band. I only knew Mark, <laughs> Mark
0: Callaghan. Oh, James, <laughs> yeah. he was great. What a great time musician. But I, um, I had a little management company, and I, I, I did quite a bit of, um, you know, uh, doing demos of people and being in, like... In control and doing things for, on albums with people, I just kept in the business, I guess. And um, well,
1: tell and me. A bit of- so, well, that goes through the '90s, right? How the hell yep. did I get to meet you? Because everybody listening, you know, Stephen um, has released uh, two tracks, I think, on uh, his side project called Funkerola. There's more to come. Uh, but
0: more, did, more to come.
1: Yeah, how did we? How did we get together?
0: Well, Chris Turner. Ah. He said to me because we're doing an album. John, John, and him were doing. An album called The fun for a while. Right. And uh, I think Chris introduced us and you oh. said, Well, who are they?
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, and yeah. And yeah. you said, What have you been doing? Have you got? I said, Well, I've got a few albums here. And I said, I own the rights to them. Yeah. And uh, you said, Wow.
1: So, well, and, cool. and, and so, you know, you've come back now writing and, and, and let's, we'll, tell everybody what we've been talking about. You know, uh, they're well-crafted songs. And and from perspective of talking to Steve about what he's doing, I said, you know, we're both in our 60s, all right? So we're no spring chickens. And, it, you know, we are not going to break Stephen Walls and we're not going to break Vincent Donato doing anything. Uh, but what we can oh, do yeah. is deliver really good music, enjoy what we're doing, and potentially get someone to re-record a song uh, but that is so hard because we've been trying to get some young people to sing some of the songs, right? And it yeah. does apply across other artists too. We find it very difficult to get some young people to want to, you know, get, because not everybody is a songwriter. Not every singer out there is probably only, I reckon, probably two or three out of every ten are actually songwriters. The other seven are just singers. So, That's true too. You know, and I... I think there's this whole new landscape. So you've got these quality songs that you're writing and they are well-crafted, quite intricate songs. Uh, They're not 2244s. And to try and get someone to sing on those, you you would really lift the songs. I was talking with another artist, I kid you not, at 8 o'clock this morning... I said, did I get you out of bed? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, that new track you sent me, I, I, it's a really good track. I said, it's a shame you can't have another singer on it. I said, firstly, too old. But I said, you, you, your vocal is a bit monotone because he, he he can't get the edges of the highs and lows and whatever. And I said, it would really sound good with someone. And he agreed. But, you know, we both go, well, how hard's that? Now, we're on the phone and we still looked at each other. It's <laughs> hard to do. And it's like, how do you you do that but there's this there's this whole new i think a whole new era and we we're we're going to release a new platform in about three months time laneway music and we'll announce it shortly but it will be able it's more an ecosystem for musicians and whatever and where people can collaborate so it's easy enough to find a singer like we could find a singer to sing your songs in five seconds or five or whatever we want or there's quite a few sites um Around the world. But the problem is that person could be in Iceland and they just want their five hundred dollars and that's it, you'll never hear from them and, and you never get they don't they're not invested in it. But what you want yeah. is you want someone that's invested in it for them to promote their career. Now whether they stay and do more or whether they go on and do their other stuff, but they're invested in the product because they believe in it. And that's the hard part, finding that. And that kind of A and R work is so difficult at the moment. It you know, we all talk about social media. Is so much more open, which it is, and I think it's I think it's easier for young artists to become big these days, but uh, through their own resources, but to find people to do things like this, really difficult, you know.
0: Um, How interesting is that, Vincent? Because just kind of, I, I do butt in because mm. in the old days when you had um, Elvis Presley, Tom Jones, and all those great singers, they they recorded everybody else's material. Mm because right. they were charismatic and they had star quality. What we're looking for in Australia, there's some great front men, Michael Hutchinson, you know, Barnesy, you know, all these top um, top and all these great front men we've had. Mm. What we need again now is a new guy that can sing great and has got all that star quality and mm. wants to do it absolutely um, I haven't seen I haven't seen
1: one have they, you? They, no then they've got to be out there and it's I think because the whole world excuse me has come together so we we have the world of billions of people through social media uh, we've been able to access these people but it's become so big that to try and find the people becomes so much harder because you're digging down into that micro in a macro world I don't know if that makes sense looking for a yeah, micro in a macro world
0: it's and you've got to consider, too, the young kids are listening. I've got a 19-year-old stunt. And he says, I said, what do you think of this? Song? He said, decent. I said, so, so what's decent mean, mate? Mm. He said, yeah, it's pretty good, but it's not quite what we're listening to. <laughs> Look, you
1: know, well, yeah, I met a band. I, I met a band several weeks ago, wanting, I suppose, they wanting to sign to Lane Way, and we were kind of interested in them. And then we went totally cold on it because it took them weeks to even just get together with us. And when they did, not even all the members turned up. And then when you and when I talk about it with them, and I went through it all and I go through all the different platforms and what you need to get prepared. They had nothing prepared. So, Steve, nothing prepared. And they didn't have a plan whatsoever. And, I, I you know, I directed them to tutorials on YouTube go, I want you to go and have a look at these. Uh, invest in the plan because it just doesn't happen most of the time. There's always the one lucky one where it just explodes through pure luck. Yeah, of course. But yep. most of it is a planned process is, I won't mention who the artists are but uh, one particular set of artists, more in the hip hop world and they had a plan 12 months ago they're not on laneway and they they and we what we do is now we release records every month or every six weeks you release a new a new release because you're staying in front of people if you're doing your social media and you've invested in that social media so it's not half-hearted you're invested every day i want a couple of transactions every day across your social media if not more yep they did it and they started with like 260 followers. They've now got about 250,000 followers and they're getting about 1.2 million streams per month. Now, How true. It, it all comes down to they had a plan. They stuck to the plan like glue, absolutely like glue and you deliver and you get on that social media and there's a lot of social media platforms, you know, it's going crazy Steve, yes
0: Well look, you may be, know, I just put in there again Yeah, yeah You've actually been a great education being signed to you guys and thank you for that, but I understand now what I may have to do down the track because I'm going to keep releasing singles. But mm. you've got a great social media platform and you've got good material, you've got a good show. Yeah, you know? yeah. Look, it, and it, uh, I need to look at that myself.
1: There's, if I said to you, uh, well, you know, Instagram, you go, yeah, I know about Instagram, TikTok, you know about TikTok. Do you know about YouTube Shorts? YouTube Shorts is there to combat Instagram and it's working. It's huge. They pay better. And Instagram, so Google, yep. who own YouTube, are pushing that. They had a thing called Stories, which they're making defunct at the end of the month, and they they push their videos and they push their shorts, and now they have a community tab. A community tab, quite frankly, Steve, is a Facebook, wow. t- a Facebook tab, right? So yeah. you have got to be across all these things, and these keep coming. They keep just hitting me in the face all the time. I go right, here's another
0: tutorial. Well, you got to employ a person
1: to do it before oh, you can afford it. You know, you got to, you know, most a lot of people employ people. Around the world, so you have people doing it all the time. It's just constant. But as a young band, you've got to get across these things first yourself. Uh, You know, and a couple of a couple of acts where we can. We can mention who made it not being signed to a major and have stuck to being independent and were very su- successful. There was a band from many years ago called San Cisco, uh, who I met yep. a few times in, at the studio, and were just fantastic and made it all themselves. And we're doing a couple of forum shows down here, which is, you know, 1,500, 1,800 or whatever. Uh, capacities, they do back-to-backs in there then you've got King Gizzard now and Lizard Wizard now those guys are just huge and they're doing it all themselves they all do it themselves mm-hmm. and then you've got Kingswood who's another local band who've done it all themselves and do not sign with majors and because once you do sign with majors we, we look into this a lot and we're you know, people have signed for perpetuity with majors. Why would you ever sign your your product for perpetuity? You've just signed your life away. And if it doesn't happen, I
0: didn't, you're think, I didn't think deals existed like that. They were usually early publishers You're 50-50, no advance for perpetuity, weren't
1: mm. they? No, well, mate, there's <laughs> a lot of bands in the '80s that signed for perpetuity for recording contracts.
0: And, I, I signed know, my publishing away to EMI Music for five hundred bucks. <laughs> I know what it's about.
1: <laughs> you know, and and you know. Anyway, we could talk about publishing. It's a whole another story, but
0: you know, it, is, mate.
1: It, it there is so much that you can do these days. And, and then, but then I get back to a lot of our artists who, uh, you know, hitting their twilight years, and they're putting music out at a rate of knots, and it's really good music in its genre. Okay, we might might not be hitting twenty year olds because they have their particular genre of music. It's amazing how many young people. It might have flavours of what we we did in the 70s and 80s, but it has its mm. own new flavour. And I know we hear all the stories too, Steve. Can you remember the song? No, I can't. No, it's a it's a different era for kids. What they do know is they remember the vo- the um, the vocal. So. You, you'll see some young people and they, they mime off the vocal of the song and I go, how the hell did you do that? I never used yeah. to know the lyrics to all the songs. Like, forget no,
0: it. It's a, bit, it's a bit like that, isn't yeah. it? You know, the thing is, I can make a comment about coming back into the industry late and being quite successful in some areas in the 80s and how, how the record company and business was great. You know, it really was. Artists made money. There's a lot of money going on and artists live really quite well and they can make it now. It's, it's twice it's hard to do you know it's the most disappointing thing for me looking at it now I know with Spotify there's a lot more people listening to music, but the, the radio's sold out on the Australian artists. They've got no audience anymore. I don't no. know how that happened And then you got Triple J. If, if you're over 21, they won't play your material. It's really, really ridiculous. It, you know it know? is.
1: It, radio Land is a completely different landscape now.
0: Uh, and they used to be supportive of Australian acts and really it was a great scene.
1: Well, I think what you have to realise and come to grips with, we've got to come to grips with... Physical is an unenvironmental product. We don't want it. CDs, they're dead. Vinyl's just about dead. I don't want to hear the vinyl revival because when you look at it from a dollar perspective, (laughs) there's no no revival on a dollar perspective. Again, unenvironmental products that have to be, you know, they get thrown away. Um, So if we come to... Um, what's happening now with radio people uh, because of the digital world and music on demand and wanting it right now and what you want right now there's no reason to listen to the radio so when I go in the car plug in my phone I've got my Spotify or my Apple so why do I need radio what does radio deliver for us so There's no reason for them to break new music. What they do is play what's been a hit in America, as it always has been the case, or they play nostalgic music or whatever. And Triple J represent less than 3% or even less than that, you know. Uh, They're insignificant and they used to be up around that 8.5% or whatever. So they're they're not significant. And as you said, if you're over 30, you said 20, if you're over 30, you can forget about Triple J. They don't even want to know you. So radio are not invested in breaking any new music. They're invested in promoting Omo or UE Insurance or A.M.I. and that goes yeah. with your middle-of-the-road music, which we've all heard, whether it be Cold Chisel, Fleetwood Mac or whatever or yeah. Beyonce on your and all that kind of stuff. Um, th- there's no reason for them to break it and there's no money in it for them to break that music. Now they've become just what they are, nostalgic radio stations.
0: Absolutely. Can I ask you a question, and maybe people out there Mm. listening to this podcast, Mm. how come Spotify got away, because I've come back into the business again, with this small amount of money that goes to the artist, why Mm. couldn't it have been any sense to download and everyone would have been happy. The Uh, artist would have been, I'll make a living, everybody would have went, how did that unconscionable deal get through?
1: Well, I think at the time I remember very clearly I'd moved from Mushroom to Shock Records and we were going through the transition to the digital world and everybody used to say to me all the time, you know, well, what are you thinking about your future? You know, like you got no job left. I, I used to laugh because I thought, well, music doesn't die. People create music. Just because you're not selling physical, I'd already seen the digital and yep. I was even thinking about starting a an online radio station. Unfortunately, I then left again to join Michael anyway. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, as time moves on, uh, platforms change, but, but nothing changes. So your platforms change, but nothing changes. So the creative part, uh, of the business is there. Stephen Walls is still writing music and how, how are you going to get out? Well, it's the digital, digital platforms are there to deliver it. There's social media. It's just whether there's, there's lazy people and there's the ones that want it with that killer instinct. I call it the killer instinct. And the lazy yep. ones just go, I'm signing with Sony, not, and they, you've got no idea that if the single bombs, yeah, that's it, you're finished and out the door. Yep. Or that's you're going to do the real hard work and develop a career that doesn't rely on them. You may sign with a major, but you do it on your terms. Now, if you look at Taylor Swift, she signed, I think, for perpetuity in the early days and then went and re-recorded her... I think it was her first three albums. It was either the first two or the first three. And she re-recorded them. I'd like to tell a lot of bands, go ahead and do that. Re-record them and then you've got them anyway because, you know, and they probably sound a lot better too. Um, So, you know... To me, radio's got no investment in anything. Uh, you know, online is just fantastic because it gives you the avenue to actually promote yourself if you want to do it. Uh, and the future is as bright as it's ever been for music because you got more and more people. I, I love... I, I, I go back to your question, how did Spotify... Get to say paying point oh 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 two of a cent. Well, yeah, there was there there was greed and there was there was desperation on behalf of the majors who did the deals because they had no avenues. Wouldn't you have thought, Steve, if you're a major, Mm. you you know those four majors or the five at that time, would have got together, we'll put a platform together and we'll do it ourselves and we'll promote? But no. they didn't. They didn't have that intelligence because they're living a lifestyle off the backs of people like you. And yep. then you got this young upstart, and Spotify comes along, and. He was just there at the right time, at the right place, just as a musician is, and it happened.
0: But how did, how did APRA let that go through? It's an unconscionable oh,
1: deal for us. Well, Hold on, Who's, who, who controls APRA? APRA doesn't really control APRA, do they? <sighs> yeah, come on. Yeah, come on. Who, who controls all of that? It's like the ARIA. Who controls ARIA? Well, the Australian record yeah, industry, right. which is the majors, right? So yeah, um, yeah. remember, if you go to the APRA... Amcos building in Sydney mate, just be stunned. Stand across the uh, across the street and go, holy hell! I wouldn't mind working there myself. you working in the Taj Mahal, right? It's <laughs> it, but who's paying for that, Steve? Who, who is paying for that? Well, the artist is. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, it's the same when I used to go into Universal and see George. And I used to say every time to him, mate, who, who built this foyer? It's the Taj Mahal of foyers. He goes, that's before my time. Nothing to do with me, right? Yeah.
0: Just that, the The art about it, me. but, you know, they, they work, because, you know, music's a drug, so artists are going to keep writing music, whether they're living in the gutter or in their car, mate. Mm-hmm. That's just, they going, but. I must say, you know, a little bit more of the arts made it very difficult for artists to actually make a living. Well, you can make a living in the 80s. You
1: you could from the live circuit, from albums. Well, it was only the few because now the downside, well, the downside, mate, from the 80s, Steve, was... How much did it cost to record an album? Mate, we used to spend 300000 quite regularly yeah, recording that. an album. Yeah. Well, you know how many yeah. records you've got to sell to recoup $300,000? Yeah, I know. Uh, look,
0: you've got your publishing advances too on top of that, which <laughs> yeah. were only payable back against interest-only loans. That mm. were the best things in, in Well, let risk.
1: alone, let alone... The deals all had 50 50 on the videos. So it was 50% in the record company, 50% yeah, was recoverable. You know, whoever yeah. whoever bought that in. I mean, seriously, because those videos cost $50,000 back then. That's $500,000 today. You
0: know, know how
1: were you we ever going to pay that back? So it can, it, it, you know, it, it just, he was there at the right time. And Apple, I say to you then, Apple were the biggest thing since sliced bread, iTunes. Yep. And now they're, in Australia, they're worth like 5%, 10%. In America, yeah, right. they're still quite powerful. Around the rest of the world, they're useless, yep. right? How
0: Isn't does
1: that it, happen? How does that happen?
0: Well, it's the... It, the greed factor in this world all up is always an, an amazement to watch you know? it, we just can't seem to help ourselves can we, eh? I, we don't I, I, do I agree the with watch, you. we just do the greedy thing
1: I agree know? I agree with you and the love of music is you know you only probably yep. get to it when you get to your, your age because or my age because we can actually afford to but yeah, uh, sure. you know and you go well I just like doing it whether it's a hit or not oh, I'm going to record this but very difficult when you're young you know anyway you know there's there's plenty there but look uh, what what I want to say to everybody is there's more to come from Steve uh, there's a couple of songs Thank which you. are in the making right now and um, yeah. you know and there's more after that Steve has told me he just keeps oozing out new songs
0: Well, and, and it's been great you know I've had the opportunity I must put a little dig in for um, Elliot Reynolds who I've been working with and uh, Jillian at their studio in Hazelwood it's been great hookup ability has really really helped me with uh, the songwriting and playing on he's, he's a great guy and a really talented guy yeah. and I've had the opportunity to have some of the best musicians in Australia come up and record uh, on this uh, forthcoming album uh, what it's worth you know so it's been a joy you know and it's getting it's getting better so that's been real lucky
1: oh fantastic well we're looking forward to it Steve it's been fantastic talking to you I mean you know we look forward to a lot more music from Stephen and hopefully some with another singer on there too and we
0: might find that yeah we might find that artist and you know Australia really Needs that type of guy artist, I think, to really shine up. I mean, we haven't had
1: anything. I haven't seen a Michael Hutchinson or a bloody uh, artist or a uh, Doc Neeson. Wait, for I a saw long a, time. I saw a picture of In Excess
0: the other day. You know, in their
1: in their heyday. Yeah. This, great, and and great. you know, Michael Hutchinson. I thought, look at him. He looks terrific. It was what he was wearing. Oh, you know, the the whole thing was them, this guy's a
0: maybe you know the bands don't dress up enough either. They don't entertain anymore. They think they can just get out there with their rubbishy t-shirt. They dress up, the entertainers.
1: You know, one, on. one I do like at the moment. You know, who I always champion is D Minor and the Discords. You know them, don't
0: you? Mate, old mate tonight. And you know,
1: um, he's put on a bit of weight now. But what a what a fantastic record! They only ever had the one record, and they're still out mate, doing you it now.
0: To my record. He was signed for the Survival Records, my record company.
1: Oh, fantastic. I mean, I don't, yeah, we, I we don't, I don't understand we why signed. there was no more records from them.
0: Oh, it was a bit weird. We, um, See, so I was in partnership with Alex Gershaw. We owned Survival Records. Mm. It was my idea. We put it together. d minor was one of our acts to psychotic turnbuckles yeah. and five or six other acts. But, um, yeah, it was hard to control everyone. I don't know why they didn't do another record.
1: They were um, They were great. Else. You know, with that whole stage yep, yep. show, you know, you, you, oh, yeah. he'd probably be the only person doing that today in Australia, I would think.
0: <laughs> Mate, so so they're playing in Sydney shortly.
1: They yeah. are they are at the end of the month. So everybody, I want yeah. you to go out. What you um what you're looking for is Ward 13. There is Flash as a Rat, Too Much Talk, and the original EP Robot Wizards. The videos are up on our video channel also. There's about five or six videos there. There's a live show there also. Uh, and then we have that's followed by Steve's new side project called Funkarola. And there is Two songs, I think, up already, and there's more songs to come. We wish you the best, and we'll be talking soon, Steve. Yeah,
0: thanks very much for
1: your support. It's my pleasure. Talk to you soon, Steve. Talk back. Bye. Bye
0: Bye. Well, there you have it, another Laneway Talks. If you enjoyed that, just search Laneway Talks for more great conversations. G'day folks,
1: Mark Allen here and The Ox, David Schwartz uh, And we've started a brand new podcast
0: called A Couple of Blokes, A Couple of Beers And we're just chewing the fat
1: A Couple of Blokes, Couple of Beers With Ox and Marco
0: I'm thinking about whitening my teeth Just so when I smile There's a new episode every Wednesday Have you got a weight issue? Of course I do <laughs> It's a stupid loaded question <laughs> A Couple of Blokes, Couple of Beers With David Schwartz and Mark Allen I'm eating the kids' Maltese You're eating I'm their some. Christmas present I am a piece of garbage <laughs> Listen wherever you get your podcasts